Welcome to the Yoga Life Podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin. This is episode 110 of the Yoga Life Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Yoga With Me Online. You can practice yoga anytime, any place, as long as you've got an internet connection with me via my website. What you get is weekly updates, weekly new classes, new audio meditations, 60 minute long. At the moment, we've got about 40 classes up there and about 15 audio meditations. For 19 euro a month, you can access this on your mobile, on your laptop, and every video is done to the highest quality, like this, if you're watching this on video. So go along to Kevin Boy Yoga, follow the prompts, you'll get a little pop-up, and you can get a free week's trial. Try it out, if you like it, stick with it. Any questions about that, let me know. Uh, that's enough vlogging stuff. Today I have with me an old friend, Mr. Brian Malone. Brian's actually been on the podcast twice before. He was on episode six and 60, I believe, I think. Like me, Brian is a teacher of yoga. He's also a yoga teacher trainer. So I haven't seen Brian for a while. We were supposed to do a podcast as lockdown was happening, but then I kind of went into freak out mode and social distanced myself and isolated myself from everyone. And uh, so this is podcast is long overdue. Uh, looking forward to speaking with Brian. It has been a while. He's uh, always got a very level, balanced opinion. And uh, yeah, it'd be good to catch up. So without further ado, here is Brian Malone. Yeah, It's nice when I got this phone. Um, I don't really like, use my phone for anything other than taking pictures, Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, and so I just started taking pictures of people at the portrait mode because the camera was like class. Mm. But um, it became actually a really nice way of making me realize all the really nice people I spend like time with. You know what I mean? Because I was like, oh, I'm going to take like your portrait. And then like looking mm. back and I was like, wow, that's like I have loads of really nice people in my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it was, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Because I thought you start now, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Photography is an interesting one because I I do all my own photographs. I just do like self timer, and uh, I use actually if someone asked me over there, I use a fifty, which is actually over there is a fifty millimeter lens, which is a different different camera. And in I started doing these like teacher trainings where I talk about branding, and and sometimes that word can sound a little bit um, cold. A bit corporate, can't it? Calculated, man. Ca calculated, yeah. Like yeah. almost like manipulative. Yeah. Um, but th the way I try to explain it is that it's like a familiarity. You know, if people are familiar with you, you have a brand, or at least they're re you're recognisable. And I think that's why, especially for yoga teachers, anyone who's building a personal brand, even if you're not doing it consciously. When you look at a portrait of someone, when it's and then when it's taken with a really good camera, and uh, without getting too technical, when you have like a nice aperture, and this aperture is when you have—I could be wrong here. I'm pretty sure. What is aperture? Ah, you okay? Okay. I see, I have, so I have an aperture, like oh, what's it called? Like an aperture mode. I'm like, but I've no idea what it does. Aperture is, um, and Anil would know more than I would, but is the depth of field. So if I look at the way I look mm. at you. Um, you're clear to me now because I'm focused on you, but everything in the back is blurry. And most regular cameras, especially on a phone, don't pick don't differentiate between that. But when you have a nice aperture or like a blurry background, essentially, it draws your eye to the person. And when I actually when I seen you started taking photographs like this, I was like, wow, these are like the um, the book I have in there, the Humans of New York. That book to look at someone in the portrait. And to see it the way your eye would see it, yeah. there's something, it's so personal, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because I I felt, I found, I said to myself, bro, I was like, right, I'm going to start taking more pictures of just me. Like, not me trying to do 
a yoga pose. Um, and I remember you said to me once that you feel a bit <laughs> a bit funny about photographs. Yeah, I've never I've <laughs> never been. Um, I don't know if I'd say that I'm not like photogenic, in the, but I'm not I'm not comfortable getting my picture taken if it's just like. But that's like my. I get it from like my dad's side of the family. Like my 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 two sisters, my mom have like the most beautiful smiles. Like amazing getting their picture taken. Me, my dad, and my nanny. If someone goes to take a picture, like oh smile, all we do is just like lift our eyebrows, <laughs> like lean in a little bit. Like I don't know what that is. I don't know. I've just never like. I feel like I missed a day at school or something when people were taught how to get the picture taken. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, like a little bit like a Ricky Bobby kind of thing of like, just don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> so like, um, but I'm I'm trying to get a little bit more comfortable with it for sure because mm. it's really nice to have your picture taken. You know what I mean? Mm. And and like you're saying, like nice pictures of people, um, particularly nice portraits and stuff like that. There's something so yeah, they're just beautiful. People are so interesting looking. You know what mm. I mean? And I think to when that gets captured well. Um, like when I was taking even the, the not like the portraits that I'm taking of people or anything like spectacular or anything, but you know like taking pictures of like some of my friends and stuff, and then looking at it like, wow, that he really looks like that. You know what I mean? Like like just little things you don't really notice in the moment or something. Um, and also the person taking the picture affects how the subject comes across for sure because yeah. you're their friend, you know them. It's kind of a casual setting, and this is something that I never considered before, but. If you decide to up your photography game and you're a yoga teacher, you can you can choose a photographer to, to work with and it makes a big difference. The skill level could be great and that's fine, but it's the chemistry you have with the person. Um, if, if they, you can have a bit of fun with them and they, if they if they know you as well in your, your character, then you're gonna feel just more, more natural around them. Sometimes like <laughs> I've had situations where you know, I'm holding yoga pose for a couple of minutes <laughs> and the photographer's like, okay, now just turn the hand this way. And by the time the pose is taken, I look kind of annoyed, you know, <laughs> I look at back on my Instagram photos like, I look like a bit of an ass because like my, I've kind of got a real serious expression on my face. Like I take myself really seriously. Um, but that is, that's why now we say with, with Rach as well, we'll just have the camera out and sometimes just take a picture just in the, in the moment. And I actually did, in a in this uh, teacher training workshop the branding one i had a screenshot of my phone and it was my most liked instagram pictures and the top 10 there was no yoga pose mm. the top three rachel was in them <laughs> so maybe she's the, the, the attraction but um it, it so what does that say about our psychology in terms of what we like? I don't know. But it's interesting with the... I've recently become a little bit more friendly with... Um, I think you know him as well. Like, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right here, though. Yeri. Like, oh, yeah. Handstand genius. <laughs> um, and he's like the sweetest, most like lovely, generous, caring dude. But before I met him, I was like really intimidated by him. Because in all of like his pictures and stuff, he just looks really intense. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. just looks like a really <laughs> intense dude who can do like these ridiculous handstand things. And mm -hmm. I remember we went to a handstand training with like Yuval. Um, I can't remember the second name, actually. Yuval, Yuval on hands. Uh, like one of that the sounds real... very familiar. Was that in Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, at the movement studio. And I think Yuval Avalon could be his second name. Or maybe he lives in a place called Avalon. But he's one of like the really high like top handstand coaches out there yeah and and he's kind of intense but like a lot of like the handstand dudes are a little bit intense mm -hmm. um because it's an intense thing to like train that much mm -hmm. and so yeah he was there and i just remember being like oh, like but he's the nicest dude like he's the nicest dude like nicest guy i suppose because you've got a focus a lot haven't you what was miguel like you were over in australia yeah you? miguel i do some one-on-one -on -one stuff with him now um he's kind of like my my coach um He's awesome though. He's like, he's such a sweet dude as well. Yeah. Um, really friendly, really, um, but at the same time, he's like, he's intense because it's, it's definitely what I've, it's not, it's not handstand practice, it's handstand training. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the very high level dudes, it's, that's what it is. It's training. What's There's the no, difference? Well, I feel in practice is more sort of like scope for 
maybe a little bit informal it's more kind of like exploratory and um, maybe a little bit more personal maybe um whereas this handstand training is like regimented you know what i mean like i have i've got a handstand program off now and it's like three rounds of this 90 seconds rest in between four rounds of this 90 seconds rest in between and um it's not that it's like it's disciplined for sure um it's not like military you know what i mean and i think there's like but it is it's a lot less kind of like oh do this and see how it feels and then oh maybe try mm. this if that feels better it's like no do this and if you do this you'll get better <laughs> and, I, um, I had the same experience with Devin kelly actually who mentioned miguel he thought yeah. i'm just gonna I'm, this is unedited i'm just gonna fix this camera one sec yeah go dude yeah but Devin, in uh but you are going to edit this or are you not gonna edit this? not gonna edit no. <laughs> uh, uh in bali so <clears throat> We're not, no, I, don't, I don't edit these at all. Never okay, edit them. Cool. No. Once actually, I left Jenny Keen on her own here while I went to the toilet. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she, but she was just chatting away. Oh, okay. I don't do that with you, do I? But um, right, yeah. who knows what way that conversation could have gone? Yeah, but um, with Devin, so yeah, he he mentioned Miguel as well. But one thing he said, and this is about re repetition, mm. yeah, and also p parameters. So if you want to get good at a skill, you need to have the parameters set like what are you trying to achieve and then to do it over and over again and then once you get good at that how are you going to say strength training progressively overload and you, i'm sure with any skill training how are you going to make it more complex and a factor in different variables and what is what what i've kind of struggled with lately is in my yoga teaching sometimes it feels like i'm teaching a skill as opposed to a yoga class. So I started doing a lot of hip mobility stuff lately and it requires um, being still being controlled and uh, progressive overload definitely, but also repetition. Mm. And it's not very flowy, mm. right? So it's made me kind of feel like, uh, cause a part of me wants to please people as well. And you know when you finish a class and people leave and no one says thank you, like, <laughs> you think, oh, did, did no one enjoy that? And then one person says thank you, like, yes. Um, but I think that I, 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 I want to teach what I do myself mm. as opposed to just always the same thing that I, to please, try and please the masses. Uh, have you experienced that at all? Yeah, I've kind of, um, I probably went through a bit of a shift in how I approach stuff like that over the last like year or so because like probably similar to you like personally in my own practice um I found like mobility stuff so beneficial um I in my own personal practice I would very rarely on my own like say go through like a flow or whatever you know what I mean like or like mm. a practice of vinyasa flow class because yeah. for me personally where I was at physically what I wanted to sort of um achieve let's say mobility was what i was getting benefits from like like just controlling the movement of my joints like a really um beneficial thing and for a while that's what i was teaching um still within like the context of like a yoga practice but a lot of mobility stuff um and mobility stuff is not not that i feel like a yoga practice has to be exciting but mobility stuff unless you're really into it is not particularly exciting you know what i mean like it's just like rotating your arm loads of times um, but again, I just personally found it like so beneficial that I was like, that's, you know, I don't ever teach sun salutations because I think for a lot of people, sun salutations aren't particularly beneficial. Um, kind of like one of my teachers, Justin Wolfer, where he kind of talks about is like sun salutations requires exceptional scapular control to do it like really, really well. Um, and a lot of people don't have that. So I've like don't really teach them a huge amount but then what i started to drift away from or what i started to when i started to kind of drift away from that again was because what i started to realize was that a lot of people aren't necessarily coming to a yoga practice to learn how to move better you know what i mean a lot of people aren't coming to a yoga class to learn how to rotate their shoulders for a lot of people those benefits are almost like byproducts and what a lot of people are coming from is if they've they've worked a busy day they just want to move a little bit they want to to to, to create a bit of space and then they want to like relax at the end and um, so i now not prefer but i know and I, I like working with people one-on-one -on -one now 
because I think when you work with people one on one, it's a lot more sort of obvious what they want to achieve. Because that was one of the things that for a while in my teaching, I found like teaching group classes like really challenging because there's just there's so many different people. Like, what do all like? How is it possible to teach something that's going to be beneficial and useful for like? You know, in the yoga. Sometimes there's like forty people in that room. I'm like, what's 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 actually going to be beneficial for all of these people? Um, so now in my classes, I try to just teach something that's kind of like generally going to be like a nice thing for everybody to do. And then when I work with people like one on one, that's where I get a bit more specific on like you know, okay, you want to improve your, you want to work on handstands. Okay, you're gonna have to improve your shoulder mobility. Mm-hmm. And then it can be a bit more specific because I kind of know what they want to achieve. But in group classes, I sort of feel now, although I bring in like mobility stuff and all that kind of stuff, I more just like general nice things for everybody. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's kind of like a nice experience. Then like me standing there and being like externally rotated. <laughs> you call that like, external rotation? Because <laughs> yeah, like, you know, that's a bit, that, that's kind of like training. Um, yeah. And that has its place, but sometimes its place isn't in like a 60 minute group open level vinyasa class, I think. Yeah, it's trying to incorporate the mobility stuff. Well, firstly, as you said, it's not sometimes not that fun to do it. And it's also very challenging for your ego because if you were to look at a video of someone doing mobility work, you'd be like, well, they're not lifting weights. They're not even like in a plank. They're just trying to sit down and lift their leg off the floor. It looks so easy. And then when you realize the restrictions you have, my it's it's really it's um it takes a while to get into mobility work mm. but then when you put it into a class when i found i put it into a class you you have to be very i i feel like uh conscious about where you put it in the sequence because if you start off just doing like real strict mobility stuff people are in a different headspace they've just, they're still as you said thinking about maybe you know the, the day at work or what they've got to do later on so I, I, what I, how I try and structure it in, and actually this is to answer um, someone's question who asked me this yesterday um, about sequencing. They said, uh, the question was, um, where do you get your ideas for your classes and how do you sequence them or something like that, right? Well, the first thing is I've never had an original idea in my life. <laughs> That's the first thing. I. Uh, look online or refer to my 300 hour teacher training teachers like yourself other people that i see things they say oh i like that and i just borrow from everyone essentially second thing is um I, i try to think about what i would like in the class and i think every class in my opinion for me to be an effective yoga practice has to start with breathing not breathing the movement just some basic breathing it can be real real simple and then some movement that isn't overly technical, that most is accessible to most people and has some sort of rhythm. It doesn't have to be a sun salutation. I think then once you have people in a, they're in their body, as you say, or they're, maybe their adrenaline is up and they're out of that logical thinking phase, then you can start introducing concepts, more technical concepts. But that's that's the, the kind of basic. So for this class I did the other day, and I really went into the 1990 thing, you know, the shin box. And I didn't do it till maybe 35, 40 minutes into the class. And that was fine because, but even when I was doing it, I was kind of rushing the way I was teaching it a little bit, just because I still am developing my confidence to teach something that's so new in, in yoga. Um, how have you found then, if you're teaching, say, a new concept like that, doing it um, remotely or online compared to in real life? Um, I'm not really sure. I, I think definitely when I started doing online stuff, my classes got much more general. For again, kind of that reason, because you're just like, as you kind of talked about before, a lot of times when you're even teaching online, it's just like, it can be a lot of like blank screens. Even people have their cameras on, you can it's not even you can particularly see people what they're doing all that well. Yeah. Um so I think in that my class has got like a lot more general. Um but I, I sort of find with, with, with mobility stuff and kind of teaching those things, particularly when you're teaching it in sort of like a yoga um setting, when you can sort of like very obviously show how it benefits a yoga thing, it becomes way more sort of like um I think, well, me, myself, anyways, like, I just got it a lot more. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can talk 
about sort of like he's like scapular control, like retracting, protracting your shoulders, and that can sound a bit kind of like dry. But then when you actually show it in like a pose, like an upward facing dog, if you can retract your shoulders really well, you're going to get all of this like new space and new benefits. And then it's like, oh, okay, sorry, like that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think I did like a weekend with teacher training last weekend and some of it was on sequencing and stuff like that and P-pose sequencing. Um, and I think you can sort of like even like use mobility stuff as almost like a P-pose sequencing sort of thing. And what I like about sequencing, or what I love when I go to people's classes that sequence really well, is this kind of like deconstruction and reconstruction sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like kind of like, because genuinely in my experience at least, every single complicated thing is just loads of simple things mm. added together. Mm. And the hard part of it is just adding all the pieces together. Mm. And so when people are able to like take apart all the pieces a lot like more, show little kind of like bite-sized chunks, and then explore like adding them all together, I think that's like, that's awesome. Um, and that's what I that's what I like about sequencing and and and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one because my, my actually my sister's around the other day, chatting we we're chatting about this book called um, Your North Star, um, and the book talks about it's kind of a book that incorporates what do you want to call it uh, activities in it where they get you to like write down stuff and plan stuff, and one of them is. What is a goal you have? Give yourself a, a timeline for it and then work backwards from that. And I think that's a big challenge that people find in the structure of class. Like, how am I going to start the class? Okay, what am I going to do after that? For the first thing to think of, as you said, deconstructing is to think out if it's a peak pose class, what is that pose? And then what would you need to do to get into that? Starting with the biggest movements going down to the smallest. And then, as you said, reconstruct it into an actual, yeah, yeah. actual class. Yeah. I think, and definitely for me as well, like, just having a focus is like is so important um and again on the training something I, I try to like put across to people is like what is it that you actually want to teach um you know and that doesn't have to be this big sort of philosophical life-changing thing but what is it that you actually want to share with people and i think when you can find that everything else they have to like fall into place a lot more easier um but when you're sort of like grabbing things and trying to fit them into something it can be a little bit sort of confusing and mm. where do I start or you know all that kind of stuff but, but when you have a focus and when you sort of like know what it is that you that you want to share um, I think all that sort of stuff becomes a lot easier what do you say if someone says to you what are you trying to teach yeah. like what what's your I guess over the while um, what's your North Star Brian what's my North Star <laughs> uh, I think it shifts and I think that's like a really nice thing um, I think uh, you know that will, as I sort of grow as a person as an individual where I sort of find meaning and and and, and what I find useful shifts as well um, but I think in general in general in particular at the moment it's like the, the breathwork stuff is like sort of like my main buzz um, and and even like sort of like physical classes that I teach are basically in my head at least is just like moving breathwork classes, um, and and sort of at the moment at least sort of like my big focus in my own practice and my own sort of life and and in the stuff that I'm teaching is is understanding sort of little like moment to moment tools for well being, and just like moment to moment things that you can call upon at like any time to just make yourself or just to find like a little bit of clarity and just to 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 like manage your situations a little bit better um i've been talking about it a lot there's a guy called like mark that i know um super cool guy he's got a podcast as well um in real life as in i know in real life is he in dublin yeah mark logan is his name um truth bangers is his podcast that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's like talking to him. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Um, but he um, he came to one of my classes one morning in the space between. It was like seven o'clock on, on a Monday morning, um, really early. And I'm not really like a morning person, so I'm almost kind of like kind of like sleepy before those classes and stuff. And I met him in the changing room, and I was just like, "Oh, how's it going, mate? Like, how you doing?" And he's like, just "Doing my best to live in awareness." he's that kind of dude you know what I mean and and he like for him I'm sure that was just his passing moment but that's like really stuck with me ever since doing my best to live in awareness that's what he said just doing my best to live in awareness and uh, and I feel that that's that's kind of um, 
that's kind of my boss. That's what I'm trying to do now too. And that's what I'm trying to sort of like teach as well. You know what I mean? And to sort of teach within the context of a yoga practice is another thing that I kind of like like to say quite often now is that like this is is a practice. It's not like a test. It's not a quiz. Mm. All you're doing is is practicing. And I feel what we're doing even within the physical stuff is you're just practicing paying attention. Um, like paying attention to how you're moving physically, paying attention to how you're breathing, paying attention to being distracted, paying attention to being frustrated, paying attention to being like, I wish this teacher would like just shut the fuck up for a minute. You know what I mean? Just paying attention to all of those things. Um, Cause I've personally found that when you start to like pay attention to things a little bit more, um, it gives you a bit more like agency and that little bit more wow. awareness. And with that becomes, it comes a sense of like freedom. Um, I find at least. It's again, when my, like Justin, when we used to, I, used to, I do some one on stuff with him as well. We haven't done it in a while because we can both be a little bit flaky sometimes. But we would have these con like phone conversations and he'd just like talk for ages and I'd just listen, just like writing down notes. And uh, one of the things that he said to me one time was that with agency comes freedom or with accountability comes freedom. That when you actually are just completely accountable for what's happening to you in the moment, that gives you all this freedom because it's like, okay, you know, one of the things that we had worked on quite a lot is like narratives. So when you when you notice the stories that you're telling yourself of like, this is unfair, or this is like, this is this, or this is this. And a lot of times what you're usually saying to yourself is like, this is happening to me and I don't like it or whatever. But what you try to do with like the narrative stuff that we work on is actually say like, no, be accountable. Like I feel that this is happening to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel that this is unfair. It's not that this is or isn't unfair, but I feel that it's unfair. And when you take that accountability, okay, it's me that's feeling this. It gives you a little bit of freedom. Like, okay, well, you kind of analyze why you're feeling that way. Yeah, is it like rational or is it reasonable or is it like, and for me, at least when you kind of start to kind of take that accountability, you just realize that you have a choice and you can sort of choose to do things differently if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one of the things that I tried. And, and for me, again, like it's, it's awareness of my breathing has been one of like the greatest tools in helping with all that stuff. So that's definitely my kind of my focus. How do you, uh, that was brilliant by the way, how do you define, and um, this is a word that's kind of, um, I, I've tried to grasp before. When you say agency, how, how would you define that? Agency for me is sort of like- I'm not looking for, sorry, like a, uh, an Oxford dictionary no. definition, but to you. Agency for me is like, is, is sort of, I guess, a f almost like a freedom to choose yeah. or a, a, there's a word I think would sum this up very well and I can't think of that word. It's kind of a, an empowerment, I would say, mm. but a kind of a, a personal empowerment and yeah. a kind of a feeling, yeah, personal empowerment, I think is maybe the best way to sort of put it, but not in this sort of very real, like I am like amazing sort of thing, Yeah. but just like, I, I have a choice. I, I have a, I have a, I have options and, and kind of embracing that, I think is what it sort of speaks to me at least. I could be very, very wrong. No, I, I, that, that's because that word has escaped me many times when I've tried to use it in a sentence in, in talking about, um, talking about yoga and what you said there about something that encourages you or maybe forces you to pay attention. Like I was listening to Alan Watts every day, <laughs> but uh, lately, and um, he was talking about the different styles of yoga. And one of them, he talked about karma yoga and saying how, you know, it's the yoga of action. So it could be running or windsurfing could be your yoga, uh, your way of interacting with the world and paying attention to something um, and doing something skillfully. And it's a bit like when I was setting up the cameras here, I said, you know, last time you were on here, it was just, I had like, it was a very low tech, um, set up but this is like my yoga i i i'm i love love podcasting i'm i'm because i realized since doing it in two years now my blind spots and i used to think i was like quite socially developed because in a party situation i would be quite loud like the center of attention and therefore I thought socially I'm pretty good. I'm pretty open-minded and this and the other. But I realize now, especially when you listen, listen back to yourself, 
the way my I'm quite self-righteous and self-absorbed as well and I feel like I have to if something if I don't disagree, if I disagree with someone, I'm right, they're wrong, and I, I don't know where that comes from. It's the the thing of like almost part of my motivation has been oh, I can prove people wrong that I I can you know, be self sufficient and all this type of stuff, and maybe this is better off in a therapist office. But like <laughs> the thing with being motivated is like what f- f- kind of fuels you can destroy you as well. Because if you're, I'm talking about me personally, if I'm one, actually someone posted this today, might have been Yoga Hub, said like something like, don't want, don't desire more, but instead desire less or something like that. But essentially it was okay, maybe that's not relevant to this, this point, but um, when you're tr- motivated from the wrong place, you're never going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, d- decided now that I want to be way more conscious about the narratives in my head as you said Bri instead of thinking uh, I'm unhappy you could say I feel unhappy or I disagree I feel a disagreement with this uh, and you kind of you can look at things more objectively then and I, I, I really believe especially <laughs> this is actually definitely a quote that because like the other day if you're not embarrassed what you did last year you're not growing and Alan but Alain Botton said that and um I'm regularly embarrassed. <laughs> uh, I look back at teacher trainings and I'll be like, oh, why did I say that? You know, I'm so adamant in a point and I'm like, this is the way it is. And then someone will question it. And at the time, because I feel like I'm in a leadership role, I I don't give in to that. And then afterwards I'll say to Rachel, like, I, I could have gave a bit more leeway there. Um, and I, because I get so enthusiastic in a conversation that I, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of taking a moment to pause and question, and I actually feel like that is um, a big blind spot for me—is not understanding, not paying attention to uh, why I think and feel certain ways. Yeah. Um, I think it came up with, with Justin as well when I was talking to him. Is that we all we're all basically pattern-forming creatures, and we get into habits, and that's really efficient. It's not, not like a bad thing at all. Hmm. Um, but I definitely think one of the things that Michael Stone talks about this a lot as well in like his teachings, how a yoga practice is to bring you into a more intimate relationship with reality. It's like what is actually happening outside of like the ideas you have in your head and like your perceptions of what should or shouldn't happen and like other people's ideas and all this sort of stuff. Um, and what Justin talked about is the idea of like the readiness to reject when we're so quick to be like, no, that's wrong. That, that, that's wrong, that's that's not like, and that's what you're basically doing and that readiness to reject is falling back into your patterns. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it's like, that's wrong, this is right. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not to say like, I think when sometimes we talk about stuff like narrative and patterns, for me at least when I was first learning about these things is this automatic assumption that they're bad. Like narrative is bad because it kind of it sounds again like we're talking about with like branding it sounds like manipulative and it sounds like constructed um which it definitely can be but narrative is how we make sense of the world and it's not like but for me at least it's the idea of being like aware of where all of these things come from mm. and now because i definitely would have gone through that stage as well like say for example on like Instagram, a teacher would put up something like, that's fucking stupid like that's just really quick. <laughs> that's not that's not what that is that's not like you know and realizing now that that's just me like a protective like slipping into sort of like old pattern kind of things so mm-hmm. now at least for me again with all these kind of like work that i've done with these teachers it's just to be aware of it and that's not to say that now i'm just kind of like scrolling through instagram reading like, oh yes that's that's amazing everyone is so great like i still get like you know what i mean but but i kind of now a bit more aware of where that comes from mm. and yeah, that sort of idea of just being a little bit more intimately connected with what is actually happening in the moment. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really nice thing. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It, it's a, a strange line to tread, though, when you're in a, a teacher training environment, because hopefully you are the authority to some degree, or the person at the, st- at the top is the authority, as in they can lead with a certain... Um, confidence but to have the humility to 
say when they're wrong. I mean, um, I actually seen this guy on YouTube yesterday. Uh, he was debunking himself from two years before that. He was looking at a video himself, talking about, I forget what the topic was. It was about something about diet, veganism versus meat, and he's actually vegan. But And then he was debunking certain things he was saying and how there isn't enough of that really because um, you, you don't want to feel like you are... You don't want to feel, I suppose, um, exposed, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, but like the teacher training system is funny because I feel like a lot of like, the way I look at the teacher trainings is just, it's just one big like group project. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't necessarily feel in like an authority position when I do them and stuff like that. And I definitely try to encourage nobody to kind of like look at it that way. Because like I've done teacher trainings, but it's like, and I'm talking about anatomy, and it's like doctors, and it's like you know, like people mm, like you know, yeah, kind of like physios so, and <laughs> and and are talking about like psychology, and there's like psychologists, and like, <laughs> it's, true, it's yeah. kind of I'm coming up from the perspective of the things that I've learned, which is sort of like a yoga perspective. I don't even like that word so much anymore, but like, but just this kind of like. I'm coming from a perspective and there's different perspectives and i think the more we can sort of bring them all in yeah. is amazing and um and i can't remember i don't know who it was but it's definitely i think adam hustler talked about talked about it to me once before um how like probably the best answer you can give to anything is it depends yeah and that's for me it's just like so true yeah. and like it's just that and that's why i feel this idea of being like an authority and stuff like that on trainings i mean okay obviously there's like someone who has to be like okay we're starting now now we're going to go for lunch and um, now we're going to do this and stuff like that there's that that sort of authority but for me it's like the answer to most things is like it depends yeah. um and the more kind of perspectives that get brought into that the better um because again on the teacher trains what i always say is that like the world does not need more people to cue sun salutations. Like there's enough of the like we've done, we've got enough people like that. But the more people for me who are able to kind of gain stuff from the tools that are given to one of the courses and then bring their own perspectives into it. That for me is amazing. Cause that's for me when this like big group project that we're all kind of consciously or unconsciously working on is going to get better. Um, mm. Yeah, I uh, think, you're more experienced in teach. Well, you. I don't think you are more experienced in teach training than I am. And at the start of the teacher training, the first one I did, I was kind of overly strict because, it, and this is something I, I I learned when I was in Korea. One of the teachers had advised me that when you're with, and obviously it's different, different, but when you're with the kids you should be very stern at the start and then eventually ease up on that and then they will feel like they've kind of won you over a little bit and they'll feel like you have a stern side to you instead of it being a surprise when you need it the difference there well culturally it's different for a start also the language barrier you can't it's difficult to reason when you don't speak the same language and also the the children. I'd love to see you teaching a lot of little Korean kids. Oh yeah, it was it was it was great sometimes, but other times it was very challenging. You forget how much you rely on language to reason with people. You know, yeah, so. um, they were lovely. I, I, Did I, you learn I, any Korean? No, very very. I mean, very basic amount. I couldn't have a conversation enough to get about. But um, but does that does that work in other environment? It depends. Well, <laughs> and, I do and, think definitely. And, a part of a yoga practice is discipline mm. and there's no like and discipline is a really good thing to to practice um so one thing that i do say in the trains that we do and stuff like that is stuff like timing okay anybody can miss the bus and like or there can be bad traffic and stuff like that but like be on time as much as you can be on time like yeah. don't be faffing around like oh it's okay if i'm five minutes late like that's a really bad pattern to get into mm -hmm. um so on the trains, I said, like, we're starting on time. Yeah. If you're late, we're not going to wait for people if they're late. Um, and for me, it's kind of like a respect thing, but not respecting, like, the teacher as this, like, authority figure, but a respect mm. of, like, the, the process that we're trying to go through. Again, like, look, you can be, you know, buses can be late and stuff like that. There's no, like, being late isn't the worst thing in the world. But to 
get a little bit of that discipline, I think is good. And so in some sense, I think there there's definitely is a role for people leading the courses to instill that discipline. Hmm. Um, but yeah, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, honestly, and I said this to the guys, the teacher trainees, now that they finished, I said, look, I, we kind of did a review of the year. And I said, the first weekend, I was so nervous mm. that when you're nervous, it's actually quite difficult to be nice. Mm. It's a lot easier to be quite strict. It's like you go on a date and you're nervous and you're not, you're not yourself. You're not, you, you, say if you're normally funny and charming, <laughs> but uh, you're not because you're just like, oh God, I'm so nervous. I'm trying to hide that. So that was a part of it as well, because I, I, I was kind of, I prepared so much that I was worried I was going to forget what I had to say. And it became quite kind of right tick boxes. And that came across as being a little bit stern. And I said, yeah, so I've learned from that now um, that, and also what would I want when I did my 300 hour with dice, dicey decline, like I'm a big fan of dices. And I remember he was so relaxed by you. And so is Brian as well, but he was so relaxed. But I wouldn't want to be late because I wouldn't because I liked him as a person and respected him, mm. and he'd never he would never if you were late he would never say like you know don't be late he you just see on his face he'd be like oh you know and you because yeah. so my motivation on that teacher training as, as a student was different because I liked and respected the person because they never actually acted with with that kind of authority mm. as a disciplinarian you know because. Uh, People, are, people are adults, and as you said, adults. there's doctors, I mean, there's yeah, yeah, and I feel like it's not, especially with like the trains like that. Like, okay, okay, with the studios and stuff, there's like advertising and marketing, all that sort of stuff. But it's saying like, I haven't asked anybody to be here. You know what I mean? Like, you've chosen to be here, <laughs> and how you choose to make use of that time is completely up to you. Like, I'm not gonna like grab anyone by the ear and like you're not paying attention. You need to like, you've chosen to be here. Um, I will do my very best to share what I know as best that I can. Mm. Completely up to you, you how you want to how you want to kind of like deal with that yourself. Mm. Um, so that's why I don't really feel the need to be like particularly strict with people. Not that I'd want to be, anyways. Mm. Except for with timing, I think timing is a good thing to be strict on. Yeah, I think so. It, it, someone said to me once. Um, when you're late for something, it means you value your time more than the other person's. Uh, well, again, like being late, like you know, it happens now and again. Yeah. Now and again, but, I'm saying consistently, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. um, but it's a it's a real it's a real challenge on sometimes when you um. It's another thing a bit of personal development for me is is to make a message, make a point, but to not let it uh, bring the the atmosphere of the room down mm. you know and to also be careful as to when you when you do make points you, the timing is so important as well because yeah. it's a hypersensitive environment um i think there can be i think because i've definitely noticed sometimes on the trainings myself and stuff that you can sort of make a point from a place of um of like you genuinely think this is an important thing for people to take on board or sometimes you can make a point from a place of being like kind of like feeling like you need to be the authority figure or if you get a little bit like offended or hurt or taken aback by something and i think when when your points come from that place they usually come across as being a little bit like unnecessary yeah but i think you can make a point from a place that's like you know genuinely looking out for people's best interests even if that point is a bit like mm, yeah. i i think i feel for me at the start um I might have swayed towards taking things personally because I was basically insecure. If you haven't done anything, if you're doing something that you've never done before, you have no measuring stick as to how, if you're doing it well or not. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't know. Um, now I can look back and say, okay, I, I, I can, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I can look objectively at the last year and think about what I liked or didn't like. And also with the feedback that I got from the people, um, which has you know been good thankfully so um but yeah i i have i've i've learned a ton i'm going to switch gears slightly bry yeah. uh, i want to ask you um just because i was listening to a video about this the other day about cbd mm. all right and um i'm i'm not sleeping very well at the moment right uh you're you're a, would you say a cbd taker yeah. or an enthusiast <laughs> i i 
Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't <laughs> myself an enthusiast, but like things that come from that plant, I'm a fan of. Okay. <laughs> what? How? Firstly, how do you ingest it? I um, what do I, I take drops, but I also I've started recently taking like these gummy things, which is delicious. Mm. Um, but normally it's just like drops. Yeah. Okay. And and why? I I for a similar reason when I first started taking CBD was. I've never been a great sleeper. Um, as long as I can remember, I've always kind of like, well, not always struggled with sleep, but I'd, yeah, sleep is definitely a bit of something that I would like to improve, basically. Yeah. Um, and I've tried loads of different ways, all the different teas and tablets and all these sort of things. And so CBD was one of the things that I, that I tried um, during that sort of journey of trying to sleep better. And I wouldn't say to anybody that CBD is this automatic, like, you can take it and have, like, a perfect night's sleep or anything. Um, but I have definitely found that it can help me sort of unwind a little bit. Mm. Um, it's so, also supposed to have these amazing, like, anti-inflammatory, like, qualities and stuff like that. So I've never had any negative effects from taking it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, I, I tend to take it. You've noticed the difference in your sleep then? Sometimes it's for me, at least in my own, um, I don't know if I have the word journey, but my journey with sleep, let's say, <laughs> is that um, if you're not sleeping well, more than likely taking something is not going to automatically improve it over the long term, I would say. Um, that if you're not sleeping well, there's probably a whole host of factors playing into that, like what's going on like mentally, what are your routines during the day, um, what are you eating, all that sort of stuff. Um, so like I said, I wouldn't say that you're going to take CBD and you're automatically going to start sleeping better. Mm. Um, but as I say, it's something that I have found, you know, if I take it sometimes in the evening um, or at a time when I'm feeling a little bit kind of like highly strung and stuff like that, it can help. But combined with lots of other things. Yeah. yeah. Biologically, I think people vary so much as well. Like we have cannabinoid receptors in our brains. Um and um but at the same time i know cannabis as in with thc in it is, is different because uh, it has psycho a psychoactive agent in it but if you have say one person could smoke weed mm. and be great or one person could drink alcohol and be great mm. another person could do it and they're they go off the rails or they, they just react differently yeah. so i wonder because cbd is not cheap it really like I, yeah. I don't well, it depends how much you yeah. value put on whatever the end product yeah. is but um and i i've been thinking to myself like i experiment with experiment with it before because i eat well i don't really have to any stress i exercise every day i'm always moving and um you know life is good i don't really have any worries no one around me everyone around me is healthy yeah. but at the same time occasionally now i'll wake up at say six seven fine but generally it's 4 a.m i wake up boom and i'm just like ready to go mm. and i said before that it it used to be that it's because i'm excited for my day which i am yeah. but i <laughs> i am I, I like i i do enjoy my life but at the same time you need i think five hours sleep is not sufficient and um Mm. and everyone now again biologically speaking everyone needs different amounts of sleep yeah. but um i just to get up that early feels i make the best of it i i'm looking for for things maybe that i haven't considered do you nap i try to but the dog mm. <laughs> the dog man i mean the dog uh who brian met this morning is barks so much and a lovely dog um but if i if i if i was to say if you was to say to me right kev the next eight months this is what your life is going to be like with a dog i'd say i don't want a dog <laughs> seriously and i'm not proud to say that but um is he i love him now because i'm att emotionally attached to him yeah. i wonder if they say the same thing about having a kid <laughs> well i've got him now so i might as well um and this is actually a slightly different topic but i read this article um in the paper and it was people writing in saying that who regretted having children. It was just really mm. weird. Now, they didn't put their full name. It was just their first name. Yeah. But it was uh, people giving their explanation of why they wished they never had kids. Mm. 
And it's something you would never hear someone say, you know, because it's not socially yeah. acceptable to be like, well, I love my kid, but I also... It's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mistake. But yeah, um, so in regards to napping, I know that when we have, because we're due to have a baby in September, that napping might go out the window. But supposedly um, you don't like... All I'm saying is I would like to sleep in a little bit longer than 4 a.m., which I think is pretty reasonable. Well, the reason why I asked about the napping thing was oh, that yeah. I used to nap on certain days, depending on my schedule. Sometimes I'd be like working late the night before, then up early that day, and then I'd nap during the day. And I actually found the days that I napped the following night, even if I was exhausted going to bed, I wouldn't sleep as well. If you napped, you wouldn't sleep as well? Yeah. That is kind of like my body would almost feel like, oh, I've got that bit of sleep in. Like I don't know, I don't know. Mm. I'm not. I'm no expert on it. Um, but uh, but like I said, I definitely in my own experience, like there's just a lot of factors going to play mm. if you're not sleeping well. Yeah, and this no, it's definitely it's not an enjoyable thing to not sleep well. No, and I I mean I do a lot of breathing techniques, and that helps me get to sleep. Yeah. Um, do the seven uh, four four seven eight. Six, four seven eight. Yeah, I do that, and that helps me get to sleep. But it's supposedly what wakes you up is adrenaline. Uh, your adrenal glands stim uh, stimulated by adrenaline and that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. Do you dream much? I I can't tell you the last dream I had. No. No, do you? I, and I think it was actually a common thing. During lockdown, my dreams started to get a lot more vivid. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I heard that was a really common thing that happened. I, I don't know the explanation. I don't know exactly why. But, um, but yeah, definitely over the last few months, my dreams got a lot more vivid. Um, that actually brings me nicely to um, a question someone had on Instagram mm -hmm. about you and, and lockdown because obviously you were traveling quite a lot you yeah, know yeah. and you're a bit of a free free bird I would say you know you like during lockdown or before how you how you found lockdown essentially yeah. uh, no I, I wouldn't necessarily I, I got very lucky in the sense I did do two really nice big trips just before lockdown mm -hmm. Um I wouldn't necessarily before that I was like a, a big traveler or anything like that. Oh, I've done kind of okay, but um, but yeah, but I, my, probably similar to you in a lot of ways, like I had probably two years, the two years previous to this year were probably just like insanely busy. Um, teaching too much, I would say, taking on too much, um, not sleeping as much. And I found that by the end of last year, I was like pretty burnt out. And it's just a weird thing to be like busy as a yoga teacher. I feel now that's like such a, should almost be like an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. If you are truly practicing, you shouldn't let yourself get that busy. Mm. Um, so definitely my intention now that things kind of like start to open up again is to not get that busy again. Um, <laughs> but I also feel at some level you have to kind of get really busy to find out what you're sort of like, you know what I mean? You kind of have to like get up and then. Yeah. It's nice that there's visuals. You can just kind of do things. Don't worry if there's yeah. any sort of like, <laughs> just do. You know Brian I mean? has one hand up, one hand down. Yeah, just sort of. <laughs> um, but so it took like six weeks um, to go to Australia at the start of the year to like see some friends over there. I used to live there, see some friends, do some traveling and basically just to not teach um, or not be in that role for like six weeks, which is super nice. Mm. And then we got back and then did a retreat in Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka when all of this kind of stuff started to like kick off I think the day we got back from Sri Lanka was the day they closed the schools um, I taught like two classes um, the next day and then like studios closed and stuff like that so it really was kind of like a it was a mad start to the year like I kind of started to forget what normal was like because mm. I was just travelling loads and then and then like lockdown and like it was uh, so I feel like I kind of got a lot of like travelling out of my system yeah. before like lockdown started but how I personally found lockdown was like, I'm so lucky to be able to say it, but I loved it. Um, I I had a I had an awesome time. I had a really nice time. Just that slower pace of life, um, was really like nourishing for me. Like truly, um, I found I had just like less. I felt like I was able to let go of a lot of sort of like ideas that I had before of, of what I should be doing or what I, you know what I mean? I, I'm 
not to, not to name check him in like a in a negative way because he's, he's one of the most amazing dudes and um, such a great guy and such an amazing teacher but i definitely think at one stage in my career i like i wanted to be like adam hustler you know, he's so you busy. Say that. he teaches everywhere does retreats classes are amazing and like the dude he's so nice and he's got so much energy and i thought like that's what a yoga teacher is you know what i mean like that in my head that's what a yoga teacher was or like a modern yoga teacher let's say and um and i don't think i was actively striving to be like that but i think subconsciously i kind of had that in my head mm. and i even though i was exhausted i sort of wore busyness as like a badge of pride you know yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. i somehow felt that that busyness was equated to value yeah i you agree know what I mean? and uh and lockdown helped me let let go of that mm. that that you could teach two classes a week and be to some people that the exact teacher that people need rather than feeling like oh if you're not teaching every day or you're not doing workshops you're not doing trainings you're not doing retreats does that somehow is some kind of you know what i mean i fall into that trap too mate no i completely i was like exact same thing and then it's I was saying to someone recently about how I felt like a hypocrite in the last couple of weeks because you're teaching yoga, you're talking about balance and knowing when to slow down. I'm not doing any of that. So that's why I, I cut my classes down to like, I'm doing like three, four weeks now, I think. Four weeks, yeah. And, uh, and other things as well, like I, I bought this tablet thing and this book to teach you how to draw, to learn how to draw and to be more uh, creative. Yeah. essentially then just even the word busy means nothing yeah. be, to be busy doesn't mean anything productive that's a different um, can be, yeah. if you're busy um i mean anyone could really be busy yeah. I, I i think initially what dr drove me to be busy was that not being obviously not being able to get a job at the start of I was like, oh, I've made a massive mistake here. No one's going to hire me. I'm just going to go back to doing what I, you know, was doing before. And then that kind of doesn't go away until you actually realize, all right, now I'm just being busy for the sake of it. And I feel like it's a status thing. Okay. And funnily enough, Adam Husler and Dice Ida Klein, two teachers I admire, they're, for me, in the upper echelon, the quality, everything, right? But they couldn't be more opposite in busyness. Mm. As in Dice works definitely, but you rarely post on Instagram. He'll do, I don't think he does public classes anymore at all, mm. hasn't done for a while, and does the occasional training. But you know they're going to sell out. You know, uh, and so actually, this is something hopefully that other people who are teaching yoga or think about it, even if you've been doing it for a while, to realize that you can be effective without having to be um busy yeah um it's really interesting actually uh, there's a an amazing i don't know how you describe him really it's like a, a physical philosopher i guess they called stanley kellerman um and he i read one of his books recently and in it he was talking about this self-definitions that when we start to define ourselves as something like saying I'm busy because that's what I know sort of like for like the last two years anyone asked me how I was oh, I'm busy yeah and he was like it's not that that's wrong you know what I mean but that when you start to create these self-definitions what you're basically doing is you're blocking off other potential opportunities um so for example like I've like when I had this thing in my head of like being busy and like a friend would be like oh do you want to like go for dinner I'm like I'm busy I'm supposed <laughs> to have time to go for dinner with somebody I am busy you know what I mean and I definitely had time to go for dinner with people I definitely had more time to spend with like my partner at the time I definitely had more time to spend like my family but I had this definition of myself that I'm busy and it made everything else seem like even even if I wasn't as aware of it, it made everything else seem more like a like a like a nuisance. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. because I am busy, and I started to realize how like limiting that was. Uh, even though, in some sense, I was sort of achieving what I thought I should achieve of like teaching twenty classes a week and doing workshops and doing trains, doing retreats. Um, but it was so limiting in one sense, like so limiting. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be fair to to, to Adam, um he like he says that himself he said this is not for everybody it this you you have to find what works for you and your own personality type exactly what you want to achieve your energy levels all that sort of stuff and um 
And yeah, I just found that what I was trying to do or what I was doing was really limiting. That's the best way I could describe it. Mm. And and I think we do that with loads of things. Like we can do it like, you know, I'm sad or I'm social or I'm I'm whatever it could be. I think it's not that those things are wrong, but when you're attaching those definitions to yourself, you're just closing off other opportunities. And so I was able to kind of work with that a little bit before lockdown, um, but definitely lockdown kind of helped me connect to that stuff. Easy example, during lockdown I started cooking loads because mm. I had time to cook loads. And what I realised when I was cooking loads is that cooking doesn't take that much time. You can cook yourself a great meal in half an hour. But when I was really busy, it was like I would get a burrito on the way home because I'm too busy to cook. I don't know I have time to cook. Um Again, it was, just fuck, it was just an idea. It was just an idea that I had in my head. Um, so lockdown for me, so lucky to be able to say it. You know what I mean? That like I, I didn't know anyone personally affected. Um, my family was safe. No one that I know, you know, lost their job. Like I was very, very lucky. Mm. Um, and I, I'm fully aware that it wasn't the case for a lot of people. Um, but for me, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, mm. I, I was very, very fortunate to be able to say so. But I loved it. And and I listened to Louis Thoreau. Have you listened to Louis Thoreau's podcast? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, Grounded. Um, I don't really listen to podcasts that much, but I started listening to a little bit of his. One of the first ones he did with the Welsh dude that doesn't sound Welsh. Yeah, yes. Um, uh, but they talked about lockdown. Oh, God, what's his name? He's, he's a really interesting fellow. Yeah, he's really interesting. Um, but that's what your man was saying. He was like, it's going to be interesting going forward during this, the amount of people who are going to actually realise actually I kind of prefer things this way yeah <laughs> like oh, I kind right. of, um, and also to, to realise that is actually a great that's actually my favourite episode he does on what boy George as well which is also great in another episode but the Grounded podcast to realise as well how much do you need like in stoicism to say like if this all went if it went away if I didn't have my accessories would I be alright mm-hmm. and that gives you a lot of freedom you know it, it's uh, to not because otherwise, as you said, you have to teach to what suits your personality. But I know for me, for certain, like I've just gone back to start playing football now. Just gone back to it. And I realise I've learned so much in the last two weeks um, that I, I wasn't getting on, on yoga mat. Uh, Step overs must be off the chart. <laughs> just dropping shoulders everywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've, I've and that's funny because you think like, could football be be your yoga practice? I mean, I've really Brian. Actually, I haven't said. I've got to tell you this, and while I can, and because you play football, you well, definitely you play football before. Yeah, like, maybe you can relate to this, or maybe you can't. Maybe I'm just a bad person. But so, psychologically speaking, I am well skill level. I'm one of the lowest on the team. They're over thirty fives, but they're pretty good. Or maybe I'm just very bad. And so I'm I'm probably the worst player there. Maybe is anyway. So that's the first thing. So I'm like, right, I don't feel very confident in this environment because I'm not competent. That's the first thing. Secondly, uh, I'm not physically as capable as I would be on a yoga mat. I know that that's not what's about necessarily, but so I feel inferior, right? And then on my first training session back, someone kind of bollocks me. Uh, and bollocks means like when they tell you off or they scold you. It was like, fuck's sake, man. You know. Yeah, skull did it. It was like, fuck's sake, don't give away the ball or something like that. Yeah, I did some, and I, it's a couple of times I did it, I gave away the ball needlessly, trying to like do flicks and stuff. And when he scolded me, he's on my team. Huh. I should have psychologically said, he's right. I was messing around. I got to play it more simple and just do, you know, do what I would like the, my teammate to do. But instead of thinking that, what I thought was, I hope the next time he gets the ball, he loses it. <laughs> Which is terrible, isn't it? I was looking at my own teammate every time I get the ball and he maybe do it. And he was really good. So, But maybe I was thinking, I hope he makes a bad touch now so I don't feel as bad. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, I went home thinking, you're a shitty person, Kev. Yeah, or, or maybe not a shitty person, but no, let's rephrase that. As you were saying earlier, um, that's a, I feel shitty. <laughs> well, that's in a that shitty. Moment, in that I moment, in that moment, I felt something shitty, um, which is just interesting to realise that I had the capacity. I didn't think I would be that. Um, what's the word? Like vindictive uh, in my thoughts, and 
that but if I didn't stop teaching these classes, I would never go start going to football. Like, I'm too busy for football, I'm too busy for jujitsu, for climbing, whatever. But to put yourself in environments where now I have a bit more of the, the self-awareness to question myself. Whereas before I would have gone, I'm right, he's wrong. Yeah. Well I think <laughs> Confession Confessions. <laughs> I used to be when I played football, I was okay, but I was a dickhead. Like I was horrible playing football like like just shouting at teammates shouting at the ref shouting at coaches <laughs> like a little proper little dictator like it was, but um yeah so it'd be interesting to like i would love to go back I've, i'm just working with a few little injuries and stuff that'd be kind of like nervous going back to play football but um i'd be interested to see how i'd be now because i wonder if it would bring it all back out of me again <laughs> but um why did you 31 Okay, you got a lot yeah, to go. Um, 35, over 35. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but one, so one of the words that gets most commonly associated with yoga is flexibility. And and people, you know, associate that with like a physical thing. Um, but for me now, my understanding of flexibility now is just being able to like do different things. For me, like, you know, if you said someone's flexible outside of a yoga um what's the word I'm for um, context so just like oh they're able to do different things basically and that's actually what I feel that, that, that a, a practice can give you that flexibility in the sense of like it's all well and good being calm when you're in Shavasana at the end of a yoga class what's the point of that though if you go out into a football pitch and you're a dickhead you know what I mean like or if you go into work and you're a dickhead um, mm. that flexibility is actually being able to apply the kind of skills of mindfulness and the skills of, of awareness to like every situation that you're in and mm. um, and that's, there's, Michael Stone said, I'm not sure if I fully agree with it, but like Michael Stone has this saying where he says, anything can be meditative, um, but that doesn't mean it's meditation. Um, so you can say playing football is, is you know, some people say like, oh, football is my meditation or, or listening to Beyonce and like cleaning the house. That's my meditation. And he says that that can be meditative, but it's not actually meditation. Um, but I don't know if I fully agree with that. Um, I don't know if there's a, I don't think there's a necessarily a direct substitute for a meditation practice, like a practice of actually just sitting and, and paying attention. But I feel when you learn those skills of paying attention, you can apply that into every single scenario that you're in. Mm. Um, and that for me is flexibility. Like that's, that's being flexible. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing to, yeah. to, 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 to develop for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brian, that was great. <laughs> um, any closing words or thoughts? Mm, no, I've nothing. I've nothing to sell. I've nothing to promote. <laughs> nothing to. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing to hog. Fair enough. But it was. Thank you for having me, Kev. I like talking to you. Thank you for coming. It's nice. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that last hour of conversation. If you did, please share it with a friend, maybe comment, leave a review, or even subscribe, and you get weekly updates on new episodes. This episode and podcast has been brought to you by Yoga at Home with me. If you'd like to do yoga from the comfort of your own home or wherever you have an internet connection, Simply go on to kevinboyyoga.ie. One week free trial for constantly updated content. So every week I'm adding audio meditations using this fancy microphone and 60 minute classes. There's 35, 40 there now and you constantly have access to the ever-growing archive. Visit Kevin Boy Yoga. Any questions, any comments, let me know. Hope you have a great week and I'll catch up with you next week.